Great stuff. Cool. Okay, just a few announcements um, <clears throat> to uh, keep you in the loop of everything that's going on. Um, I would love to encourage you, obviously, um, to continue to, to give. Thank God for um, what comes in. It's not just really an announcement. It's an act of worship that um, we want to thank God for and what he's given us, and give back to him, and give that as an act of worship, and give it in faith, so you can give um, over um, at the at the back, uh, uh, if you don't already give online, you can give at the little red post box, or with cash, or there's a card machine as well. Um, our life groups are on this week coming, and um, I think we're into the third week of the Be Still series, and it's um, been great to hear great reports of that, and um, I really want to encourage you to stay on that. I, th- I guess one of the things that we've become apparent, and um, this, this isn't said in any kind of level of, of judgment or anything, but one of the things that we found is that you know people really do struggle to find um, a time with the Lord daily, and this series um, is all about that. And so uh, I, I guess just leaning into it together, because if you can crack that, <laughs> if you can crack that rhythm somehow, you know everything really starts to change in our lives. And so I want to encourage you to stay on. I keep encouraging one another. Um, both uh, practically and spiritually as you lean into that. It's been amazing at our 40 days of prayer, we're into this uh, reignite um, <clears throat> uh, themed kind of 40 days of prayer. And uh, we've had basically a whole week, night and day of prayer. I think all, all the slots have been covered, both uh, in Lurgan, in the prayer room there through the day and through the night. And uh, it's been amazing to have the building open here on Wednesday and Saturday last week. And we're going to continue that from 11 to 4 so you can either sign up for an hour in the Lurgan prayer room. I would encourage you. I know for some of us, the thought of getting up in the middle of the night and going to a prayer room is completely new, completely like, what even is that? But um, you know, people have been doing it since the since whenever. Okay, it's just, um, people have been praying through the night, and uh, it it is a wonderful kind of thing that it's 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 the getting up. But once you get in there. There's, there's no place like it, and you usually want to stay on. So um, if you'd like to um, explore that, please do as we try to fill up those slots. Um, and uh, come in here. You can write if you'd like to come in here on the Wednesday or the Saturday. We're going to have posts. Then just write on the chalkboard your name at the end. That would be brilliant. Um, I want to also mention our NUA festival, which is coming up. It's going to be um, on the first weekend of June. Um, We feel like it's going to be an amazing festival of uh, fire, feast, and family, or three Fs for the values of that. And we want to really encourage you to come. We're not going to show the video or anything. Don't worry. Just want to encourage you to come come along um, to that. If you haven't already got your tickets, you can get them online. Um, Kathy Gordon, who um, a number of us, um, and as a church, we really want to have a heart for um, fostering and adoption. And there's an event on in the Armagh City Hotel for anybody that would be interested in that on Monday night at 7 p.m., Monday the 14th of March, 7 p.m., Armagh City Hotel, Faces of Fostering, it's called. It's an information event, and we want to continue to champion that in uh, our church. And then finally, I think my final um, announcement is... um, Claire Buster's involved with helping Christian Aid uh, amongst the different churches in Portadown. And um, there is a, a lunch on this Wednesday in the Armagh Road Presbyterian Church from 12 to 1.30. It's a soup and bread lunch. And uh, if you would like to go along that, all the proceeds are going to be going to Ukraine. Um, and so it's like an inter-church um, lunch that you would be really, really welcome at if you'd like to do that. And then maybe come here and pray afterwards. How about that? All right. Okay, I think that's all the announcements. I think. Unless I missed anything. No? Wonderful. Okay, let's um
Let's welcome Debbie. Come on, Debbie. We're going to um, pray for you. Um, Debbie's going to bring us the word um, this week as we kind of move on further in our in our series. I'll take that out of your road. That's a big Bible. Oh, that's a big Bible. Bigger the Bible, big, better the preachers. Know what to say. <laughs> Lord, we just um, we thank you for for Debbie. Lord, we thank you for the the heart that she has, God, for this family, and uh, Lord, for um, yeah, just for Lord how she carries um, everyone here in her heart. And Lord, thank you for the word that you've placed in her heart for this body. And we pray that Holy Spirit, you would give her help now as she delivers that to us. Holy Spirit, anoint her, fill her fresh. And flow through here right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Al. Good morning, everyone. Just give me a wee second to get myself organized. My Bible's so big it's taken up my table. So I hope that uh, you guys are really been blessed through this series that we are looking at. And I know that I have been really blessed, but really challenged as well. And as you know, it is all about blessing, being blessed and blessing others. And this is actually, believe it or not, the fifth talk in the series. Um, and they kind of follow on from one another. So I would just really encourage you guys, if you need to catch up, it's worth doing that and going and finding the ones that you have missed. Now, Facebook has this thing which is uh, highlighting your most used words. Um, over the course of a year. And for me, without a doubt, this blessed word is one of my most used words. I would very often say, bless you to people, or God blessed my kids, um, especially at nighttime. And when said intentionally, I think that, that to say God bless to somebody, it's actually maybe more of a, a prayer than we actually realize, to release all that is good and on the heart of a good, good father into the lives and the circumstances of the people we are speaking with. So let's um, <clears throat> have we think about our blessing definition. We looked at this last week as well. To bless someone is the bestowing of abundant divine power to bring about fruitfulness, multiplication, reproduction, and filling. I wonder if I was to ask you this morning, do you consider yourself to be blessed? What would your immediate reaction be? You see, the enemy wants us to think more about what we don't have rather than what we do have. If we have food on our tables and a roof over our heads, we are blessed. If we have the love and support of family, albeit imperfect, we are blessed. A cozy bed to get into at night, we are blessed. And it's actually really important to pause and to think about our blessings with a real thankfulness so that we can intentionally steward all that God has given us. And above all else, if you're sitting here as a Christian today, you are so incredibly blessed. Because that means that you're doing life alongside Jesus, unconditionally loved 
and forgiven. And even more than that, knowing that he has a plan for your life. He has plans to prosper and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future, as our good old Jeremiah 29 um, tells us and reassures us. If you know Jesus, you have the security and the blessing of knowing that with the ups and the downs and the in-betweens of life, that you will never walk it alone because Jesus has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you as he directs his kingdom purposes in our lives. And how amazing is that to actually think about this morning? And what a blessing too to have the promise that one day we will go to be with him in that place that is beyond description. A tactic of the enemy that drives me nuts is he does this. Very often in the context of church, actually, he will make you think, looking at people around you, that they're sorted. They're pretty together and maybe more blessed than you. And that's just a lie because... For all of my years in ministry, I can tell you that everybody living in this broken world, everybody has their stuff, everybody has their pain, everybody has their challenges, and in fact, everybody's fighting a battle. It's just you might not know what that looks like in their lives and circumstances. So today, we want to <clears throat> try to get our heads around what a life of blessing, spilling into blessing others looks like in God's original design, his intention for that. And thankfully, we have an absolutely perfect model for this, don't we? And it isn't too hard to figure out that I am talking about Jesus, whose life completely embodied blessing others. So here we have Jesus, the Son of God, who came to this earth in human form, yet without sin. And Jesus came to fulfill the promise to Abraham. We've been talking lots um, about Abraham last week. Um, to perfectly reveal what this means, this blessed to be a blessing means. And in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis, God told Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. And interestingly, this term blessed in some form, it actually appears 65 times in the book of Genesis. So right from the very beginning of the Bible, God is impressing and stressing. Guys, this is really key. This is something that is massively on my heart. So I think it's something we really need to try to get our heads around as best we can. We talked um, about the crafty serpent last week who completely sold Adam and Eve a false blessing. And as a result of the fall, this is what happened. Mankind actually started to multiply sin and a sense of curse as opposed to the blessing. And the result was this. The sin-affected world had not a clue how to handle or challenge the blessings of God. But God is amazing, and in his grace and his mercy, he was determined to restore our distorted understanding of the blessing. Because his heart has always been to see this blessing mandate move throughout humanity from generation to generation. 
And this brings me to my first point this morning. Jesus took upon himself the curse which was brought upon man through the fall. You see, because of the sin, we were unable to access the blessings in all of their fullness. But Jesus, when he came, he came to make a way so that we could step into and experience the richness and the goodness of those blessings. And over time, as we walk in these blessings, there's always more for us to experience. And because of Jesus, thanks to Jesus, those same powerful blessings to Abraham, they actually reach all the way to us today when we give him our lives. Galatians 3, verses 7 to 9, you're doing a good job, we're doing some teamwork here, my husband's putting up the slides, um, says, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And Al spoke last week, but I think it's actually worth um, going over again. God had said, I'm going to bless you and then the nation. So we have our vertical and our horizontal, which reminds us of the form of the cross. Because this blessing is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus giving his life for us on the cross. And another thing I want to say today is that your story is really significant, but it's so important that you understand it in the context of the wider blessing. Um, and Al went into quite a bit of detail about that last week, so you need to go back and listen if you want to find out more about it. It's important that we all hear and understand and get our heads around this morning the fact that a seed of Eden blessing is in and over your life. I'm going to say that again. A seed of Eden blessing is in and over your life. Your job is to activate it. So my second point is Jesus knew the blessings of his father during his time on earth. Now I'm going to refer to um, a story which we can read in Luke two uh, chapters yeah chapter two verses 41 to 52 and in this particular passage we read how Jesus at the tender age of 12 years old he accompanies Mary and Joseph and a large group of family and friends um, to Jerusalem on pilgrimage and his parents discover that they have lost him as they journey back home so they haven't realized that he has stayed behind in Jerusalem and we read how Jesus um, addresses, I am sure, a completely frantic Mary and Joseph. And this is what he says. Didn't you know I'd be in the house of my father? Now, I get that we're talking here about the son of God. But if that was my son, he would have been so grounded. So I tell that wee story to say, that it looks like Jesus at age 12, he knew whose he was. And for 30 years, Jesus walked and lived a life in the fullness of the blessing of his father. And I believe he knew how to do that. 
I can imagine him taking in the beauty of creation, bearing in mind that all things were actually created through him. And I can't help but wonder, did he sometimes maybe even give himself a bit of a pat on the back as he looked at the rippling waves and listened to the bird song at the close of the day, thinking, boy, I did a really good job here. Now, I don't know if you have ever literally stood in awe and wonder at a sight of creation before you, but there's one time that really stands out to me, which was about 10 years ago, so the kids were really little. Zachary was just one. And uh, we'd been in Arizona visiting friends, and we can't leave Arizona without going to um, have a look at the Grand Canyon. So five-hour trip, people. We were there for less than an hour. But anyway, it was so worth it. Um, I, honestly, you have to get to that place sometime because it was just the most majestic, incredible creation scene that certainly I have ever beheld. And I remember being so blown away by it that I was literally standing looking at it. And then I intentionally turned away. And then I looked back. And then I turned away. And I don't know what I was doing, but I think I was just trying to, to almost cope with how vast and how beautiful and stunning this site before me actually was. I actually tried to find a photograph of me with Katie, but couldn't find it. I'll have to look that out. And as we look at the scriptures, we read about Jesus spending time interacting with others. And I think it's really clear, actually, that relationships and friendships would have been a real source of blessing for Jesus. Messy? Yep. Challenging? Absolutely. That uh, bunch of disciples, I think, gives us all hope. And I want to look with you at a story in the Bible which really highlights the abundant nature of the kingdom so beautifully. In fact, I think we could go so far as to say hyper-abundance. So I'm going to kind of walk you through this story as opposed to read it all for the sake of time. But it's from Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21. So here we read of 5,000 men plus women, plus children, who have all followed Jesus. Now, bless him, Jesus was trying to get away to an isolated place. And I get what that looks like because I try that in my house, but I don't have 5,000 people following me, just four. But um, it didn't quite work out that way. So these people spent quite a bit of time with Jesus. And after three days as happens to us all, um, they were really, really hungry, but they didn't want to leave Jesus to go and get food. So five loaves and two fish are brought and they are blessed before the Father. And they miraculously become sufficient, not just to feed, but to satisfy each of those hungry mouths. Now, if I was to stop there, I think that that's an absolutely stunning story. But what I want to bring out in particular this morning is the fact that all were fed and satisfied, but there were 12 baskets left over representing the 12 tribes of Israel. <clears throat> and this is just such a stunning example of the abundance 
of the kingdom, the overflow of heaven. And it's a really practical demonstration of the extravagant goodness of the Father revealed in and through Jesus. And then there's another story which uh, always gets overshadowed by the 5,000, but I think, so I'm going to give it a wee bit of our time today because it's not fair. So this is the story of the feeding of the 4,000. So we read this in Matthew 15, verses 32 to 39, if you want to have a wee look later. Very similar story in many respects, but this time there were seven loaves and there were seven baskets left over. Now, are the seven baskets that were left over significant? I think they were really significant, and this is why. The number seven here represents the Gentile nations that occupied the Promised Land during the time of Moses. So the point is this. The blessing of the good news was also for the Gentiles at this point. In other words, the abundance and the blessing was for everyone in the person of Jesus. And it's really important for us to get, you see where we are brought into a place of abundance, it's always to be given away. It's never to be hoarded. It's never to be kept to ourselves. So Jesus experienced lots of abundance But the really key thing to think about this morning is the fact that worldly wealth, possessions had absolutely no hold whatsoever over Jesus. He had no attachment to them. And in fact, it was almost the opposite because we read in John 10, verse 10, I have come so that others may have life and have it in abundance. And in fact, the NLT said, have it to the full. My third point this morning is Jesus' focus on abundance was always about blessing others rather than himself. Jesus was without a doubt a huge blessing to many whom he encountered during his time on earth. And I just love his character. I love how he beautifully honored those whom society very often dishonored. He treated everybody as if they were his absolute favorite. I know of uh, a dad who has four daughters, and every year he puts up a post, and they all start exactly the same way. Happy birthday to my favorite daughter, Amy, or whoever it might be. And the point is that in their uniqueness, and individuality. They're all his favorites. And as I was writing this, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, Debbie, just pause at this point. And I feel he just wants me to speak over you guys, just looking at you to say, do you know this morning that you are his favorite? The apple of his eye. As I said, he hugely blessed so many people. I think about the Samaritan woman visiting the well deliberately at the hottest time of the day so that she could avoid um, the judgments and the abuse that she would have received from others. 
the many lepers, leprosy was a horrendous thing that absolutely excluded you from society. People were disowned, they were cast out. And what a blessing when these people came in contact with Jesus because he embraced them and he healed them, letting them reintegrate once again into society. And then we have Zacchaeus, the dishonest tax collector. Do you remember the people started grumbling and they said to Jesus, why are you going and spending time in the house of a sinner? And what was his response? The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's Luke 19 verse 10. So I could go on and on and on here, but what I'm giving you these little snapshot examples for is to say, in essence, Jesus' life was one huge blessing, completely saturated with love and mercy and grace. Because in his eyes, this is who we're called to be too, in his eyes, people were seen, they were valued, they were loved, they were championed, they were forgiven, they were given a second chance. <clears throat> and of course, we know he's exactly the same Jesus today. And then Jesus performed the ultimate sacrifice for each of us, didn't he? Whenever he gave up his very life so that we could live. Jesus, our perfect example of what it looks like, what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. The bar is so high, isn't it? And listen to this challenge from 1 John 2, verse 6. Those who say they live their lives in God should live their lives as Jesus did. <clears throat> so it's pretty clear that we are called to live lives which are blessed to be a blessing. But how do we do this? What does this look like practically this morning? I think it has to start from a, a place of absolute assurance in our identity. We are children of God. He is our heavenly dad. How did he live? He lived a spirit-led life marked by holiness marked by love and in the will of God. And actually what we're really talking about here to do this, it's about kingdom living. And I came across a quote which I thought I would share with you, um, which is from R.C. Sproul. And it says, the difference between the blessed person and the ungodly person is that the blessed person walks according to the course of heaven and not according to the course of this world. That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? The blessed person walks according to the course of heaven and not according to the course of this world. Jesus both began and concluded his earthly ministry blessing people. And this, that heart that spilled out of him, it absolutely reflected the heart of the Father. Because Jesus said very clearly, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Because remember, it is God's heart to bless his creation, this present generation 
and the generations to come. Al spoke last week in a good bit of detail um, about Abraham, stroke Abraham. Um, and we know that the blessing came through Abraham in the form of his son Isaac. Um, and I just want to revise a little tiny section of it to lead on to my next point. So a number of years later, <clears throat> God said to Abraham, will you give me back the promise? So Abraham was asked whether he would be willing to surrender the very thing, the very blessing, the promise that he had been given. And how did Abraham do? Well, we, Abraham gets as far as raising that knife. And thankfully, a ram is provided as the sacrifice, which is stuck in a thicket. But the fact is this, God knew in that moment that Abraham was fully surrendered. He knew that he was fully surrendered to the blesser as much as to the blessing. And then the fullness of blessing was released. So my fourth point this morning is <clears throat> fullness of blessing will be released through absolute surrender. Now, this fourth point leads us pretty well onto um, something that I want to look at in a little bit of detail this morning in light of, of the, the blessing focus. So I want to look at the Beatitudes, which are a series of blessings declared by Jesus as part of the Sermon on the Mount. And we can read about them in Matthew, so we're going to have a little look at them now. Matthew 5 verses 1 to 12, if you want to look them up, but we have them here. <clears throat> now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, when Jesus preached this particular sermon, he would have faced a crowd which would have comprised many hungry, pretty desperate people. And he wasn't just rhyming off here a list of blessings, but he was speaking right into the pain and the circumstances of their lives. And maybe for quite a while, many of us have thought of these Beatitudes as maybe a series of nice wee encouragements. But actually, for the culture of Jesus' day, 
These, these uh, blessings were far from it. This would have been really challenging stuff for many people, which I'm sure touched many a nerve and threw into question many traditional worldviews. You see, there's no room here for, okay, you're a descendant of Abraham, and therefore yours is the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. You see, some in the crowd would have carried a real self-righteousness, almost a chip in their shoulders because of who they were. But Jesus here is like, no, it's actually the broken who'll inherit the kingdom. They're challenged with needing a righteousness which goes way beyond themselves. In fact, all the misunderstandings around what constitutes devotion to God are really challenged within these Beatitudes. They speak of that joy that seeks us through our pain. The supernatural joy which shines through tears that nothing in heaven or earth can take away. It's knowing that whatever circumstances we face, no matter how desperate they may appear to be, God and his grace and his love and his mercy is with us. Nothing can ever separate us from him. Now, you may have seen or heard of the America's Got Talent Act, Jane Marsuski, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her surname. But anyway, she went under the name Nightbird and was awarded Simon Cowell's Golden Buzzer. So she became a worldwide sensation, stunning the world with her incredible voice and her own penned lyrics, the songs that she had written. But tragically, um, she revealed at the edition that she had advanced cancer. And she actually went to be with her much-loved, unashamedly, Heavenly Father on the 19th of February, so just a number of weeks ago. And here's a piece that she wrote which really caught me. <clears throat> call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after, Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I am the one whose belly is filled with loaves of mercy that were hidden for me. Even on the days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go lay on the mat in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know it sounds crazy and I can't really explain it, but God is there even now. I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough. And it's true. Look lower, God is on the bathroom floor. And at her funeral, her pastor said this, if our admiration for Jane stops at Jane, we'll be missing something very major because Jane was a reflection of the Jesus she loved. The reason she was so magnetic, magnanimous, others-centered, servant-hearted was because she was imitating, albeit imperfectly, the Jesus of the scriptures. Jane was consistently giving and looking for ways to bless other people. And in fact, she took children from the rougher parts of her college town under her wing. I think this lady really got 
what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. And each of the Beatitudes brings blessings into the life of the Christian of the Christian, a vision for what life was to be like in the kingdom of God. So we're going to have a little look at these Beatitudes. We don't have a huge amount of time and we could literally do an entire series on all of them. So it's a little snapshot really. But what I would love to encourage you before we briefly have a look through them is this. I'd love to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit this morning to highlight maybe one or two that he would like you to bring before him, maybe a beatitude that you know that you struggle with, something that doesn't come naturally or robs your sense of peace and shalom, shalom being wellness of spirit and mind and body and soul. So yes, Father, we just in the next few moments invite your presence and your Holy Spirit to move. Minister to your children this morning so that we may become more like you. Amen. Okay, first one, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to show you a two-minute video clip to give you a rest from my voice. What did Jesus mean by we ought to be poor in spirit? Shouldn't we strive to be rich in spirit? And his response was brilliant. What do you mean? What did he mean? We must be humble in our spirits. So if you put the word humble in place of poor, then you'll understand what he meant. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, at face value, this beatitude seems pretty counterintuitive. In other words, not easily understood. So what is God speaking to our soul here? We don't mourn as those who have no hope. 
And we mainly think of this in terms of losing somebody who we love. And absolutely, God is so close in those times. But this is actually about as much about grieving and mourning our sinful nature because there's such comfort in the grace and the pardon of God. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, in the time of Jesus, this meant something very different to how we think of it today. And in fact, if anything, there was a real strength in meekness. It's to do with those who can contain how they respond in a certain situation. So think about Jesus. He had all the power in the world, yet he let Jesus spit on him and ultimately kill him. He resisted what he could have done because he came for something much more important than that. He came to die for the man hitting the nail into his hand. The submission to the will of God, it can be a huge challenge, but will be rewarded with peace and tranquility and a supernatural contentedness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled this beatitude is about spiritual hunger. Do you thirst, hunger and thirst after Jesus? Because Matthew 4 says, man does not live by bread alone. And we need to be honest with ourselves around worldly distractions that can so easily, um, we can hunger and thirst after other things. For example, our phones take a lot of our attention. How desperate are you for the presence of Jesus? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is getting what we don't deserve. We didn't get what we deserve. We are called to show mercy in the same way that we've been shown mercy. And as a Christian, this should actually be one of our defining characteristics. We're called to be a merciful people who follow a merciful Savior. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God pure in heart. There isn't much room for selfish purposes and self-seeking motives here. And as we've studied in detail this morning, Jesus was the ultimate example of this as he sacrificed his life to save mankind. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers are people who are the healing balm to the conflict-ridden world that we live in. And again, who was Jesus? He was the prince of peace who came to make peace between God and man. Are we like a breath of fresh air as we walk into moments of conflict? Or do we feel it? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't hold back in saying that those who follow me will be persecuted. And even if we're wrongfully persecuted for belief in and our devotion to God, we are assured that we will be blessed eternally in the kingdom of God. I read a definition of this particular beatitude, which was those who suffer because of their loyalty to the kingdom of heaven are blessed by being bound more closely to that kingdom for which they suffer. And very quickly, it made me think of Stephen the martyr in Acts. 
Do you remember as he was being stoned, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked to heaven and saw the glory of God. He said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And just before his speech, his face is described as being like the face of an angel. As I said, I was just looking very briefly at those this morning, but what powerful, challenging stuff this is for all of us. And these Beatitudes are a huge blessing for us to cling on to, especially at this time we are living through in terms of war and uncertainty in our world. But what a challenge. So I'm going to finish by um, asking you to stand, please. I'm going back to my Knock Methodist roots for one minute here. So um, to close off a service, the minister would have led the congregation through reading out the blessing, um, the threefold blessing from the Old Testament. So number six, verses 24 to 26. And Catherine led us beautifully in these words earlier when we sang the blessing as a worship song. So what I would love us to do, because remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. It's not just about us. Let's read this together over one another as we close this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Debbie. Take your seats for a moment. Um, we're, we're moving through this blessing series um, well, and what a joy to get to Jesus now in the story and um, the fact that he became the curse in order to open up all these blessings for us. So 